Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Might as well play Fetty Wap now because there's no such thing as Fetty Wap Wednesdays anymore. Not with Eric Fetty no longer in the nation's capital. I'm soul crushed. I can't believe that. You should not be soul crushed that Eric Fetty's not here. But I understand not being able to have a Fetty Wap day being disappointed. We could just do it and play uh, highlights, reminisce about on this day in Eric Fetty history. It could be like a pregame Charlie and Dave bit. He went four and a third and gave up six hits and six Ernie's. We could just do that throughout the season. Hey, hey. You get your Fetty Wap fix. There was that time he went five and a third and only gave up seven hits with one run. It was my favorite time. It was that time. Actually, my favorite Eric Fetty memory, if we're really going to go down this road, is when Danny said something to the effect of, if he throws a no-hitter, and I don't remember what the, the I'll do this thing was, but it was something that no one would ever do or want like their worst enemy to do. And then Eric Fetty had a no-no through three innings. And the sweat was real, man. I just, I'm sitting, at, I, I, I'm yelling to my wife. I'm like, if, if he does this. The whole world changes. Now, obviously, he immediately gave up like nine hits and eight runs in his next inning. But, God, I wish I remember what Danny said he would do. It was on par with Chris Russell having to resign if Washington signed Deshaun Jackson, which they did. But then he didn't resign. And it was up there with Chris Russell having to walk to Ashburn if the Commanders didn't win more than six games, and then they didn't. But then he never walked to Ashburn. It was like a long lines with those things. Uh, Coming up at 6 o'clock, I'm excited about this. We have put together an audio vault of some great audio that I want to just play and react to. Audio vault will include Buck Showalter telling a story, one of my favorite people in sports, now the manager of the Mets. John Miller going after the Arizona Diamondbacks PR staff for not giving him any information as he's trying to call a baseball game. If you haven't heard that audio, it's a 10 out of 10. Fred Van Vliet, the NBA star, absolutely torching a referee after the game last night. I always love when a player says, I'm about to get fined. Take out your recorders. That's always the best. And Kyle Kuzma was pretty candid in saying the late game offense for the Wizards is too predictable and pointed the finger not at Bradley Beal, but essentially at Beal having the ball too much, which I categorically agree with. Uh, Wes Unsell Jr. disagrees. They kind of had differentiating opinions on that yesterday. So all coming up in our audio vault at 6 o'clock. Uh, about 25 minutes from now, we'll catch up with CBS Sports' Ryan Wilson. Go around the NFL. How far away are we from seeing Aaron Rodgers? Traded to the New York Jets. Is there a chance that doesn't happen? But the topic at hand right now is, are you willing to make the calls and trade Deron Payne that I want to make if I'm running the show next week? Yes or no? And are you with me on corner and interior offensive line being your emphasis early in free agency when you can start talking to free agents and their agents 
on Monday. We'll get into the tight end position in a couple of minutes. Let's go to Bobby in Warsaw on G&D. Hey, Bobby. Hey, uh, Grant is Grant and Grant show today, so okay. Uh, well, with uh, the free agent, I'll, I'll agree with you. Interior line and and backer is is definitely the way to go, especially interior line. I think we ought to do some in free agency, but a tackle in the draft will be cheaper than trying to get a really a good tackle. Otherwise, if we can make somebody into a guard and draft a tackle, I think that would be a better spending of the money. Uh, that way, uh, we'd have maybe a really great up-and-coming tackle. Uh, so it's a really great point, Bobby. Thank you, buddy. Tackles cost a ton at the high end of the market, yeah? We're talking about over $20 million a year for elite tackles. And so if you go out in free agency and make a real splash at that position, it does cost a lot of money. Now, I will tell you that guards are closing in on that. The multiple tags of Brandon Sheriff certainly didn't help the guard market, kind of pushed it even higher up. But guards are now close to being you know, 17, 18, $19 million players when you get to the top of the market. And I don't think that's the water Washington's going to be fishing in. But I do think that the pool that they're in is affected by that. So whereas there was a time where if you wanted to go sign a tackle, it was going to cost you know seventeen million, and a guard might cost eleven. Those numbers have come up a little bit, where maybe it's more like you know nineteen versus thirteen, or what have you, depending on you know, what caliber of player on the market you're trying to bring in. Is it more fit or the best graded overall player available to you? But make no mistake about it, the O-line has absolutely got to be addressed. If you look at this past season, their most durable lineman was uh, Charles Leno. Not nearly as good this year as he was the season before. Still very, very good as a pass blocker. His 80.9 grade uh, has him in the top tier among tackles in the NFL via PFF. As a pass protector, where he really struggled in the PFF grading, he had a 55.9 grade as a run blocker, which was worse than Andrew Norwell this past season. Overall, though, if you're looking for grades in blocking for the commanders, Leno was a 71.6, Norwell was a 59.8, Trey Turner was a 53, Cornelius Lucas was a 67 and change, Cosme was a 71.6, identical to Leno. His numbers were not as good as a pass blocker at all, he was 66, but he was much better as a run blocker, kind of the opposite of Leno. Point being, I, I think Charles Leno gets too much grief. I think people remember how good it was for a long time here at left tackle with Trent Williams and Chris Samuels before him. You occasionally see a sack given up, and you, know, you get upset. And Leno certainly struggled in the stretch run more than he did early in the year, but they've already paid him. He makes good money, and for the record, he doesn't make – Break the bank money. You know, he's not paid at the level where it's a debilitating deal. So it's, I think, good business what they've done at left tackle. I know a lot of you have issues with Leno, but I think paying him $12 million and having him at that spot, about half of, of what your best tackles in the league are making, makes a lot of sense. I'm not worried about left tackle. It's the other positions that I really focus in on. And specifically guard where both Norwell and Trey Turner last year were huge misses, you're moving on. You're going to have two new starting guards. The only question is, is Cosme one of them? Or does he stay at tackle and you need two guys that aren't in the building right now? Do you give Chris Paul a chance? I got to be honest, I really liked Chris Paul 
when I saw him at the end of the season. He was physical, some violence to him, finished plays, taking guys down to the ground. Um, His PFF grades right in the mid-50s overall as a run and pass blocker. They didn't love him this past season. But remember, it was one game, it was 66 snaps. So I don't know if that samples enough to really care a whole lot about a grade. Let's go to Wayne and Bowie on G&D. Hey, Wayne. Hey, how are you? I enjoyed the show a lot. Uh, I totally disagree with you with one point about Deron Payne. I noticed when most guys with the commanders have a good year, you don't give them a high grade to come into the next year being even better or doing the same thing. I noticed your assessment of Payne. I think Payne will exceed what he did this year because, one, he's young. He's got Chase Young coming back on one side, Montez Sweat, and he has John Allen. So those guys are going to take a lot of heat, and I just think that he will exceed what he did last year. Now, as far as free agency, my number one priority is a middle linebacker. I like what Jamin Davis did last year. I think he's a, 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 a good uh, serviceable player, but you need a guy like Khalil Mack. I mean, you need a guy that's going to get in there and make things happen, and he's a good tackler, Jay. Appreciate you, buddy. But Khalil Mack's a defensive end, obviously. I don't know. You want him at middle linebacker. Now, if you're saying you want a world-eating, space-enveloping uh, monster of a, a pro bowler who's an all-pro, like Khalil Mack at his position, uh, playing middle linebacker, I get that. Look, Jamin Davis made strides. Deserves a lot of credit for that. After last season, I wasn't sure he would ever be a serviceable starting NFL linebacker. He is. The way that they use their defense... They don't really care about the linebacker position, which makes it so weird that they drafted Jamin Davis in the first round because everything they've done since then suggests that that's just not a priority for them. Cole Holcomb, a fifth-round pick, has been their best linebacker over the last few years. They didn't really add any depth behind those guys. The move they made last year was to go get John Bostick off the scrap heap. They have played David Mayo, who's a special teamer type, who came over from uh, the Rivera era in Carolina and is a commander. Those are the types of moves that they have largely made at linebacker. And it's not a priority because they play two at a time because they use more DBs. They don't really put an emphasis on the position. So I'm not going to spend a lot of money on the position. If you can find someone in the mid rounds, that's as good as Jamin Davis shouldn't be an impossibility, but you know, he, he did some good things and had some really good speed last year. Okay. I'm interested. You know, if you could, sign someone for four or five million bucks a year or something like that, and they can start for you and upgrade either from Holcomb or Davis, great. But I'm not going out, <clears throat> having seen last year their vision and the way they want to operate at linebacker, and it made a sense as the year went along for me why they didn't do what I wanted, which was I was screaming about a linebacker all of last offseason. But they're not going to. It's the equivalent of uh, someone who bikes to and from work spending a bunch of money on a car. It's just not a big part of their defense. you got to be adequate there, and they have been, and they will be. But they're just just—they're not going to spend a lot of time and effort and energy on that spot, which I'm fine with. But you got to be really good in other places, including the D-line, to your point. Now, you said you think Deron Payne gets better from last year. I hope you're right. It's going to be hard, by the way, because he was so good last season. 
But where, where I'll take some issue is the, the idea that you said, I don't think guys can get better or whatever that point was. That's not true. I look at Deron Payne and I see that he was one thing for four of his five seasons and another thing once in a year where his contract was to be determined and money was on the line. Now, because they tagged him, you can make the case that's you know, that's happening again. He's playing for a contract again, and, and maybe that will be motivational and beneficial to him. But here's his sack totals by season from his rookie year to last year. Five, two, three, four and a half, eleven and a half. I'm a numbers guy. When I see five, two, three, four and a half, and eleven and a half, I assume that we should be expecting more along the four and a half, five, six range than eleven and a half again, right? His tackles for loss over the years. Six, three, seven, six, eighteen. Essentially, he was the same guy for three out of those four seasons. Right around six TFLs, last year 18, three times as many. Quarterback hits, 8, 4, 8, 15, and 20. Now, this is an area where he clearly over the last couple years has developed as a pass rusher. No doubt about it. And I think the new norm will be mid-teens, you know, 14, 16, quarterback hits, something like that. Could he be better than he was last season? Of course. That's awesome if he is. But let's just say you're right, that he repeats and it's 11 sacks again. Sacks aren't the end-all, be-all. But the, the process is the same. The pressure numbers, everything checks out comparably. You're still not re-signing him long-term, I don't think. They've used this tag four times. It's never led to a long-term contract in D.C. I am not in the business of one-year rentals for really good players unless I'm on the verge of something meaningful. They're not here. Now, I'm not going to give him away for nothing. If the best I could do is get a fifth and a sixth-round pick, Deron Payne stay and put. Having a great defensive tackle is a huge deal. I think you can get something for this guy. I think you could get a second-round pick in a package for Deron Payne. And that turns into a potential starter on your O-line, a potential starter on your defensive line to help replace him. That could be your linebacker you want as an upgrade. That could be a defender who plays in the secondary a lot. That could be a tight end who is a mismatch in the red zone. Let's go to Marvin and Landover on G&D Without Danny. What's up, Marvin? How are you? Hey, how's it going? One man show today. All right. Um, I agree with a lot of things you said, but I just want to go through like something really quick with you. Um, if we're not in the market for Lamar, Okay, and we're going to be hamstrung by the owner specifically not putting money in escrow. How are we going to get anybody of any real ilk in free agency, even mid to mid round or you know mid guys in in a cornerback at offensive line? Let me just throw Ben Powers' name out. There. It's a great ben Powers, question. Ben Powers, twenty six years old. Yeah. Okay. He's gonna he's gonna be worth probably about twelve thirteen million dollars a year. Yep. Four years, fifty two million dollars. Now you got to put thirty five dollars like guaranteed, thirty five million dollars guaranteed to that contract. The first two or three years are guaranteed, 
So the last one probably wouldn't, maybe the last two maybe. But I'm just saying, that's $35 million in escrow. If Danny is, is definitely uh, hamstringing us on going after this quarterback, which is so needed and is very desperately needed in this area, I don't know if, if uh, our people won't be hamstrung to get the mid-level guys. Say like you get a cornerback. No, it's, you it's, what tw- you're saying is correct. But he, So here's my answer to that. really is twofold. All right, number one. The reason they're not going after Lamar Jackson is not about money, in my opinion. The reason they're not going after Lamar Jackson is they don't want to spend what it would take to bring him in, not because Dan Snyder won't let them or they don't have the escrow or they can't, but because they think it's bad business. Like apparently most of the teams in the NFL, including the Baltimore Ravens, who have benefited more from Lamar than anybody else. He's asking for a borderline unprecedented contract despite missing 32% of his team's games the last two years and not being available in the playoffs last season. That's a third of the games the last two years. He wants a guaranteed amount of money that only Deshaun Watson has ever gotten from a team that I don't consider a real team. You know, they just did a thing that made no sense. So you're saying if we can't go get Lamar because we don't have escrow, I don't agree with that theory, number one. They're not going and getting Lamar because they want to have a quarterback who's taking up 0.5% of their salary cap in Sam Howe because they think that this kid might be good. And in the meantime, they don't have to spend anything on him because maybe there's actually some vision that if it doesn't work out, you can start over with a new owner and a new GM and a new quarterback all tied together next year, right? That's number one. Number two, I actually think there is merit to the other point you made, which is, We're about to find out if Snyder has any cash and if this team is actually operating as if he doesn't. All that's happened so far this offseason was they needed a coordinator and they went and got the coordinating option, Eric Bieniemy, who they're paying, from what I've gathered, over $2.5 million a year, maybe in the 2.6 to 3 mil range. Let's just assume it's something like that. One of the higher paid OCs, I would imagine, in the league. Rivera wanted him the way he says it. Snyder said, no problem, go do it. He went and did it. So from what we've seen, they're one for one on being able to act as if business is normal. If they just sit here and do nothing in free agency, sit out completely, they're not signing corners, they're not signing linemen, I think that is a tell, just like last offseason was to me at that time, that Snyder might not have a lot of money. That was my hypothesis then. But we have been told by Ron Rivera, by Martin Mayhew, among others, they are allowed to do what they want to do. They can spend as they see fit according to ownership. That's what they've said. We'll see if the action and the proof is in the pudding here starting next week. But your point is awesome, and it's really, really good. Should we assume that they're going to be major players? No, it hadn't really been their way under Rivera specifically. And over the years, they've been pretty conservative now for several seasons dating even back to Bruce. But I can't wait to see. This is the experiment. Because if they do nothing at a time where they've got some cash and you they, they said they're doing the Sam Howell thing so they can build up around him. Okay, cool. Time to build up around him. Start building. Where's your hammer? You know, where are your nails? If they choose not to build, I would say that's pretty telling. It's a great phone call. Ryan Wilson joins us next. CBS's Eye on NFL, one of their draft experts. You're listening to Grant and Danny, just Grant today on The Fan.
Grant and Danny without Danny on the fan. Ryan Wilson, CBS Sports, is on the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Visit BetQL.com. Lots to get to as we close in on the start of the league year. But the fireworks have already begun. Ryan, I want to go back to earlier in the week. I want to start with the Daniel Jones contract in New York. 4-160. We find out it's really 3 at about 37-plus. They could get out of it with some dead money after two. What did you make of him breaking the bank after the one productive season under Brian Dable? I feel like Brian Dable should probably get a cut of that because he seems to be the, the catalyst for change when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, either that he's incredibly lucky with his timing. Josh Allen took off once Brian Dable got there. Steph Dick certainly helped. But I, I, I was interested to see how Daniel Jones would respond to Brian Dable. And it, I don't imagine it could have gone any better than planned. Unlike Jacksonville, for example, they had Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. They had a ton of money. They spent a ton of money getting players around Trevor Lawrence. And the Giants basically went with what they had. Uh, Wondell Robinson got hurt, so he barely played. They traded Kadarius Tony, So there wasn't a cast of characters for, for DJ to throw the ball to. And I think he earned it. I, I think that's unlike just about every other position in the NFL. That's the one position where if you are above average, you are going to get top 10, top 7, top 5 money just based on the position you play. And the other question is, if we're not rolling with Daniel Jones in this instance, what's plan B? And there's no clear-cut plan B. I, I think you go with what you have. Now you can focus on Saquon and getting that taken care of and, and going about the business of, of trying to win that division. Look, we all have thought about the worst-case scenario for them, which is he falls on his face and he's paid a lot of money and they're in bad shape. There hadn't been nearly as much talk nationally about what if he takes another step forward here? And it was year one under Dable, and he did what he did with nobody at wide receiver. That's the point. That, that's exactly the thinking. And I think, I don't know, if you're being honest with yourself, or if I'm being honest with myself, I feel like that's more likely scenario. He's not going to turn into Peyton Manning, but maybe he becomes more uh, of Eli Manning. And you could argue that he's not even that far off of Eli Manning, who had a good career, but he, he wasn't his brother in terms of Hall of Fame numbers. The two Super Bowls certainly helps, but I think surrounding him with players helps, just like it helped Josh Allen. You can say Josh Allen did a lot of it, but Josh Allen's career really took off once Stephon Diggs arrived on the scene, and he had no one to throw to Daniel Jones did last year. So you sort that out, and they can do that in free agency or, or even the draft, get a get a, a wide receiver for him. The defense is good. It's only going to get better, and that division is wide open. And it's been the Cowboys division and the Eagles division, uh, for the last few seasons, but are the Eagles going to be the same team they were a year ago? Maybe, but I think that the Giants are going to be a better football team and certainly be more competitive, and that's saying something given how surprising they were this year. Read Ryan Wilson's work, CBSSports.com, one of my favorite people to just throw the ball around with talking football. He joins us here on Grant and Danny. What do you think is going to happen with Lamar Jackson? Danny, this is so crazy because – and I don't care that Lamar doesn't have an agent. Me personally, I think it would be in, in his best interest to have an agent. And part of the concern is that he may be, and this is not uncommon, this is human nature, if you're sitting in a room with your bosses and they're criticizing you for not wanting to pay you a lot of money, you're going to take it personally. If you have an agent, they can be the buffer, the middle person to have to deal with that while you go on and, and play football and, and do other things. Those other things include marketing opportunities, other ways to make money through your agent that he set up sets up and Lamar has no such thing. So he's losing out on free money on the one hand, having to negotiate on his own behalf on the other hand. And, and it's just not working out. I feel like this deal probably could have gotten done sooner. Now, look, 
Lamar has every reason to ask for all the guaranteed money he's asking for. And the owners have every reason to be angry at Jimmy Haslam for giving that stupid deal to Deshaun last year, Deshaun Watson. Because Lamar's point of view, I would imagine, is I'm better than Deshaun. Why would you pay me less than that? Uh, and the Ravens are going to come back and say, well, we're not winning playoff games and you're hurt a lot. And, again, that's why you need that buffer there. So what's going to happen? In a perfect world, he comes back. But it, we're in a situation now where it only takes one owner who wants to win, who thinks two first-round picks is an absolute bargain for Lamar and to give him whatever contract he wants. And then you go from there. If you told me he went to Carolina and David Tepper was impatient in terms of, of waiting for a quarterback to develop, I would 100% believe that. And that team suddenly becomes in the conversation in the NFC South. So, Ryan, from a sheer football standpoint, all right, separate the money and everything else. The last two years have just been fine to good for Lamar Jackson. I mean, and I would even say PFF graded him, I think, top five this past year with no receivers. What he did was pretty magnificent. But statistically, I mean, and if you look at production, it's not 2019 when he was an MVP. And then you add that he's missed 32% of their games. You add that there might be something to be said as he gets older for less reliance or ability to just be electric and and more necessity to kind of stand there and make throws. Like, Is there some football reason to have some pause about giving him all the money he wants? Yeah, no, I imagine there is, and you could talk yourself into it. But here's the thing, Danny. Would you want to be the Ravens and get two first-round picks and give up Lamar? Because I don't want to be in that situation, especially in that division where you have Joe Burrow, where you have Kenny Pickett, we'll see, Deshaun Watson, we'll see. But you're not winning the division with plan B that isn't Lamar Jackson. Now, you're exactly right. He has to be on the field. He has to be healthy. I don't know how much of the last six, seven, eight weeks of the season was Lamar just taking care of Lamar or how much was a legitimate injury. I don't want to speculate on that. But he wasn't out there at the end of the day, and that had a big impact on how that season unfolded for the Ravens. But if he's out there and he's playing, you're a better football team. But you're right. He hasn't been the the MVP Lamar that we've seen. But, you know, the old scouting adage, if I've seen you do it once, you can do it. It just has to be with him healthy and on the field and doing those things. Now, listen, Todd Monk is a new OC. Greg Roman's gone. Does that change things? Is the offense going to look differently? I would imagine Todd Munkin would prefer to have Lamar Jackson out there, whatever the offense looks like. But, you know, we'll find out together in the coming weeks and months. I don't think, you know, there's conversations of collusion among these owners, and I would imagine they're happy about the guaranteed contracts. There are also owners who want to win football games, and they don't care about guaranteed money if it means an opportunity to bring a Super Bowl to their hometown. You do a great job mocking the top of the draft and trying to find homes for the best players. Right now, the way you see things – who ends up being on the clock at number one, and who do they take? It ain't going to be the Bears. They This is great news for the Bears in terms of if they were in last year's draft, they could be stuck at the top because you know, no, no one traded for anyone. Only, only Kenny Pickett went, and that was a pick 20. This year, there are going to be four quarterbacks probably gone in the first nine picks. And I think the Texans, they may get nervous because their colleagues in the AFC South, the Colts at four, may try to leapfrog them to the top and get a quarterback. So the Texans might be willing to go up from two to one just to get their guy. And I think their guy is probably going to be Bryce Young. Now, historically, no quarterback ever has looked like Bryce Young, who was gone in the first round. But I think he's that special. Uh, Durability will always be a question with him, even though he didn't get hurt playing in the pocket. But uh, the size is the issue there. And then you're going to see the Colts. They may have to move up if they want to get – Plan B after Bryce, and that'll be C.J. Stroud almost certainly. And then it gets interesting because, and, you know, Washington may or may not be in this mix too, uh, Grant. But here's the thing. Anthony Richardson, 
unbelievable, unbelievable prospect, incredibly raw. Will Levis checks every box when you build a quarterback at the factory, except last season was an absolute disaster. And there are many explanations for that. And we talked to him about it last week at the, at the combine, but teams like him more than media folk do. All those four should be gone to the top 10. And just it's a matter of sorting out who goes third, who goes fourth, because I'm pretty sure Bryce and CJ right now are going to be locked in at one or two. Ryan Wilson, CBS Sports on G&D here on The Fan. All right, last one here in, in our final minute. This just doesn't make sense to me, so I want your help. I get all the flaws for each quarterback, and, and this is how this goes. I mean, it's most of these guys are not going to turn into stars. It's not like we're going to go four for four in the first round. What is the wart for C.J. Stroud? Because it's not obvious to me, and really it seems like no one talks about him. Like everybody talks about Richardson, which I understand, and everybody talks about – even Levis, because he didn't play particularly well, and he's got all the tools. I think Bryce Young's the real deal. I'd take him first. But what about Stroud? What am I missing? It's funny you say that because I was the same way in the fall because I, he made it – I think what happened – and I thought about this. I think he made it look so easy and almost effortless, and you just sort of took it for granted. Now, last year, year before last, he played with Chris Olavic, Garrett Wilson, Marvin Harrison Jr., Jackson Smith and Jigba, maybe that helped. They were bowling once last week in Indianapolis. You get a different perspective on who he is. He has an edge to him, and he carries himself in person that it doesn't necessarily come across on screen. And I think when you talk to him and when teams interviewed him, they probably got a different idea of who he was. And when you go back and watch him, you're like, okay, now I get it. He's a better passer than Justin Fields coming out of Ohio State, not the athlete, but no one is. But he proved in that Georgia game that he could win with his legs. And I think – He's going to win teams over in the interview process, and then to go back and watch the film and be like, oh, okay, now this is starting to make sense. Ryan, we'll be tracking all of your work at CBS Sports. Anytime you put out a mock, I always grab it as soon as I can. Thanks, buddy. Good information. Thank you, Grant. Absolutely. Go check him out. CBSSports.com is where you can find Ryan Wilson. Top of the hour at 6, I've got that audio vote. Uh, Buck Showalter's got a great story about a baked potato. John Miller's calling out a public relations firm, not helping him with information. Fred Van Vliet's going in on an official. Uh, this will be fun. We got some good audio for you at 6 o'clock right here on G&D, taking you up to 6.30 on the fan. Has been this exhilarating, and we've had... So much potential for movement, if you think about it. Nobody thinks that the team that's actually supposed to pick first right now is going to keep the pick. In fact, there's almost no chance that they will, the Bears. They're going straight out of that spot. They've all but said that. They have told teams that they're keeping Justin Fields, that they're not taking a quarterback, and they want a King's Ransom. If I was Chicago, by the way, I would move back, not as far back as I can to get a ton, because you, you could just say, well, the Vegas might come up from seven or Atlanta could come up from eight and you'll get more from those teams than you would, say, the Colts from four or the Texans from two. I'd move back as many times as I could. Like if, if you can move back with the Texans and to two and then move back again with the Colts to four and then move back again with Vegas to seven and then move back again to the Falcons for eight, that's what they should be doing. I mean, you ever done a draft simulation online? that proposes trades to you, it's a blast. But each time you're on the clock, you get these options, and you could just keep moving back and moving back and picking up picks. They could set themselves up 
with extra ones and twos for years if they move back two or three times, especially because they're in a a great spot where they have $100 million to spend in free agency. And on top of that, they aren't really married to anyone at the top of the draft board. If you're looking for teams that will be drafting quarterbacks almost certainly, the Texans with the second pick, they can't stay there and get their favorite guy, though, because someone's going to move ahead of them to take one at number one. The Colts at number four as of right now, after going 4-12-1, lost their final seven games. So give Jeff Saturday credit. He knew the assignment. He got them into the top five in the draft order. They pick fourth, and I don't think they stay there. Seattle could take one of these QBs at five. I think they're a wild card. Geno Smith today had a great line, and I really uh, thought it was admirable. He was asked in some radio interview he did out west about how he would feel after getting the contract he got if the Seahawks drafted his potential future replacement and groomed them behind him as he was making money as their starter. And he basically, and I'm paraphrasing, said he wouldn't mind that at all because, as he put it, his quote was, I'll compete with anybody anytime. I kind of loved that answer. He also can feel pretty good about knowing he just got paid, and so he's going to start this coming season. But I wouldn't rule out Seattle at number five. They got that pick in the Wilson deal from Denver. They would have had the pick after going 5-12. and 12. As possibly going QB, I think the only one that would make sense, though, for them would be Richardson out of Florida because he's a guy that is a little bit more of a project that you could stash and not play right away. Now, Bryce Young will be gone. I think Stroud would probably be gone, but he and Levis are more pro-ready. They're seen as guys that will get on the field sooner this season, and that's the big four, right? It's Young, Richardson, Levis, Stroud. So Houston gets one of those guys. Indianapolis gets one of those guys, you would think. I'm saying Seattle might, but picks seven and eight belong to the Raiders and the Falcons. Those two teams could each absolutely take a quarterback. The team that supposedly is the most QB desperate right now, though, outside of the top five is the Carolina Panthers at number nine. Their owner, David Tepper, they went through a sale. The mega billionaire has come in. He's very involved. So this is a possible organization to take a look at as to what could be if you're a Commanders fan. But Tepper is essentially told, according to reports, Frank Reich and their new staff, he wants a QB this season. He wants the position solved this offseason. He doesn't want to wait anymore. So now the question is, does Carolina trade way up the board? I mean, they could go all the way up to one and just give up the world. Or do they make a move this offseason? It gets harder to do that as soon as Aaron Rodgers becomes a Jet with Derek Carr already having gone to New Orleans there's only so many seats to sit in. Where do you go now? Is that Jimmy Garoppolo? That's why, frankly, I kind of thought Carolina would be a team to watch on Lamar Jackson, even though supposedly, at least publicly, they have suggested that they're not going to be in the mix. But if I had to guess right now, I'd say the Colts from four go up to one. Take Bryce Young. We heard from the owner of the team, Jim Irsay, who is just hilarious in press conference settings, that he likes Bryce Young and he wants to trade up. Didn't really leave a whole lot to the imagination as his GM, Chris Ballard, shook his head sitting next to him. Thing that actually happened. Then the Texans at two would take, 
whichever guy they like the most. Maybe that's Stroud. And then it's on with Arizona moving back at three for either the Raiders, the Falcons, or the Panthers to come up. I guess the one big question of those three teams, because you know the Raiders are in the market. Jarrett Stidham's not the guy. And as we just talked about, the Panthers are. What do the Falcons think of Desmond Ritter after they saw him get a cameo last year? They won their final two games of the season. He trended up a little bit. They drafted him before Sam Howell went. I think he was a third-rounder, perhaps. Was a really good college player at Cincinnati, a little bit older as a rookie. I mean, do they really think he could be the answer, or will they be hungry to try to go get a guy? It's just going to be a blast early this season uh, after the draft to see who falls where and, and how quickly they play. Grant and Danny, without Danny, you are listening to The Fan. The Audio Vault comes your way next on GND. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. t 